0: What is Disconnected. They are very much, very much connected. Um, we're going to talk about Easter some more, some more uh, this morning. Um, have you ever felt pressured to move past something too quickly? Have you ever felt pressured to move past something too quickly? Maybe you were at an art gallery or a museum. I think back to when you were younger with a field trip. You wanted to look at some something, and the group just—you know—your your teacher, the the, the, the uh, folks who were there, um, uh, the chaperones were just kind of pushing you on through like cattle, you know, out out down the chute. But you wanted to. Link there, flying, with fluttering, swimming, crawling, whatever it was, and, and you just, you felt pressured, pressured to to move too fast, too quickly. Your companions, the folks around you, they had places to go and things to do, and you're learning at your watch, and you know that maybe you've got some things that you know, are in front of you that you kind of move on to with not be rushed. They must not be rushed. They take time. They, They demand time. They need time. They need attention and attentiveness. And Easter is head of the list. Demanding that we pause the resurrection of Jesus, the most important event in the history of the world. The fulcrum on which everything turns Verses 1 through 12. This is one of the four accounts that we have of that first Easter morning. Uh, Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. You've got Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, then John. You've gone to John, gone too far. Lord willing, that's where we're going next week, actually. But uh, Luke 24 is where we're going to look here this morning. Uh, Just the first 12 verses. Um, Much could be said. We're just going to say a little. Whether we are hearing this for the first time, or the hundredth, would you help us to hear it afresh? Would you help this news to land on us deep and wide, deeply assuring and comforting God died and rose again. All the other stories are but echoes. They are but shadows. They are but glimmers. They are but rumors of the time it really, truly, actually happened. And wonder of wonders. We can actually go so far as to say this that even the stories that were told. rumors and echoes of when it really was going to happen, anticipatory of what God was actually going to do. Easter is not a myth. It is an historical reality. We have testimony, historical testimony to it, in historical documents. We just read one, Luke's account. We have three others. We have historical testimony in the New Testament, beyond the New Testament. You can think about it in in this way consider the the flow of history. Easter is, the flow of history is inexplicable without the reality, the historical event of Jesus' resurrection. The flow of what we know to be historical, real accounts. The flow of events makes no sense if you take Easter out of the time. gaping holes such that the narrative of history makes no sense. Think of it this way. You're watching the episode after episode after episode of a TV series, and for whatever reason, you miss the one critical one in the series. And you think, eh, no big deal. I'll, come, I'll just you know, come back into it. You didn't depo it. You didn't record it. You just come back into it. You pick it. thinking." you. Up where you, you left off, and you sit down and you watch the episode, and you're kind of like, "What? How did that happen?" You realize you've missed something because of that one episode. The the the, the story, the storyline, the trends, the trajectory was moving in one direction, and then all of a sudden it now has shifted in a completely new direction. And why? Why do you feel that way? Because you. You miss the big event, and that's what you have if you rip Easter out of the historical timeline. It doesn't make any sense. You can't account for how did the church start? How, how, how did it start? Why would it have started? How did it thrive? Not just survive, though that's a question, but how did it come to, to thrive, to explode, and then to have this transformative impact, wherever, whatever culture it touched, it had a transformative effect, moral courage and stances that those believers, as it it spread across the world. How do you explain that if you rip Easter, if you rip the resurrection out of the, the timeline? You've got no explanation. The explanation as to how all that happens, where all that comes from, is the resurrection. Those folks could not unknow what they knew. The first Christians, they could not unsee what they had seen. They could not unhear what they had what they had heard. Easter is an historical event that presses that presses us even today to consider some things. Now, there is a long list of where you could go with that. To it presses us reality that presses us even today to consider some things. The long list, and and actually the New Testament is filled with that. The letters, the letters actually are really delving down deeply into it. We're really going to delve into, consider two things, two things here this morning. Uh, And and they come here just from this passage here in Luke 24. Two realities and two responses. Okay? The reality We are left here in, in facing this historical reality, in this historical account, we are left with living in, you might say, one of two realities, and there's not a third. The multiple choices. Here, but has risen. Now, it's a question that they are asking, but the angels, this question that they are asking is not a question that they ask for the sake of seeking information. They already know. They already know what's going on. They know the score. They're not asking seeking information. They are asking, seeking, desiring to explore, to, act, to get these women to ponder, to think, to process what has happened. They're drawing them out. Drawing them out with this question. And they're leave, leaving them, leaving us, with but two realities to live in. And there are, are but two. It's, he goes one of two ways. Uh, it, it's a fork in the road, if you can think about it in this sense. Jesus, on the one hand, we're going to explore this now, he is among the dead. He is here. He is here. Let's just say he's here. He's among the dead one that's one now what would it mean to say that what is, what is here in that context well literally here is the tomb it's that geographical location on the outside of the city walls there near Golgotha near where Jesus was actually crucified it's this hole that was dug into the side of the rock it's a place where people were to be buried no one had been yet owned by Joseph of Arimathea, a, a rich man in, in the area, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, it's a tomb. It's a tomb. That's the here. If he's here, he's, that's what we're talking about. Metaphorically, symbolically, what is here? If Jesus is Brutal, ugly, final, that's it. It's over. If if that's what we're talking about, that's where we're talking about. That's exactly what these women were expecting that morning, right? I mean, they come there with spices to care for a corpse. That's what they're expecting. If we had been with them, we would have been doing the same thing. That would have been our expectation. Surely would. they had seen Jesus it's Sunday morning they had seen the man die they had heard him utter his last words Friday that Friday afternoon and life experience taught them he's not getting up let's not delude ourselves into thinking that ancient people were just easily deluded into such things no that round stone rolled and the opening to the tomb such that they can get in and they can see there is no body. Where Where have they taken him? Mary Magdalene asks. We read that in John's account. They are perplexed. Okay, so that's one reality. He is here. He is not risen. not here, he is risen. Now this had to have been totally, totally surprising to them, as it should be to us if we're really hearing this, grappling with this as an event happening in time and space. We just consider the worldviews in play at at the time. The the Greco-Roman perspective would have been that the, the physical body is of much less value than the spiritual, the spirit, the soul. And so the ideal would certainly not be a return to the body or renewal of the body, but rather an escape from the body. That's not an improvement. They would have had no, there's nothing on their radar, put that one, the Greco-Roman perspective, nothing on their radar anticipating, wanting resurrection, Jewish perspective. There were a few different parties. to. Sadducees would not have been thinking in terms of resurrection either. But the Pharisees, the Essenes, and others would have. But this is what they would have envisioned in terms of resurrection. A climactic rising at the end of time What does resurrection do for them? Even if surely the full implications are just just beginning, just as that sun is just coming up over the eastern uh, horizon that morning. It's just beginning to dawn in their hearts, the implications, what it is that's happened and the implications of what it is that's happened. But you've got to know at least this beginning, this much light is beginning to flicker in. He is who he said he is. friends, got to come back to this. There are only two realities in which we can It's it's the reality that you most want to live in. It's this story, if I can put it that way, this story is what you have been desiring your whole life. This is the happiest of endings. naive, but you know what else? Not wanting him to be so doesn't make it not so either. That's something this is a desire that's not just true for a few westerners but actually is true cross-culturally cross-temporally wherever and whenever you look what's going on then you know it's almost like it's almost as like there's a signal trying to get in through the outside a signal that's trying to Oh goodness, we've got but two ways, two places in which we can live. Now that then takes us to the second point: two responses, two ways that you can engage with us, and we see this in the text as well. Just simply, just thinking it through, processing just you know just this one uh, this one encounter, this one episode here. But we'll start first with uh, the um, the words. Not so much from we've already dealt with. The and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these things seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. So this is a rejecting of the news, right? This is, you know, from the start, a rejecting of the news. and You've got to consider what's happening here, what's what's transpiring here in that moment. So the messengers, who is Being received, well, ladies, you know, put down the eggs and the, the bricks. Just got to say this: in terms of first-century context, ancient world, women were considered to be unreliable in their word. Okay, their testimony inadmissible in a court of law. So that's who's saying it. That's the messengers. Now, what's the message? Oh, this dead man that we all saw killed is alive. You couple those two things together, who the messengers are and what the message is, you're not exactly paving the way for ready reception. So they reject it. They deem this whole thing to be, as is said here, an idle tale. Nonsense. The apostles. The apostles. The eleven. Um, these men who were chosen by Jesus to follow Jesus, to be his heralds, his authorized agents, rejected the news. Really, when you think about it, it's it, what the women conveyed, these things, these words included, when you, when you dig into the text, included... Angels reminding them of what Jesus had said, so they're rejecting not just what the women are saying, but what Jesus had told them before. They're rejecting it. They're rejecting it. They had no room. They have no bandwidth for, for this. It's nonsense. I and mean, then nothing to them. Okay, that's option one in terms of responses. That would be rejecting. Here's the other one. Accepting. (laughs) Accepting the news. And here we consider Peter and also John, when you look into uh, John's account. But Luke is clearly, he's fixated, drawing our attention to to Peter. Verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Luke is drawing our attention to Peter and how he responded, wanting us to consider how Peter was willing to consider what had happened. He's open to it. He's so open to it, he gets up and runs, runs to the saying in the beginning, something happened. What was it? And how do we explain it? Peter, he's looking at the evidence right there in front of him, and clearly something has happened. It's not grave robbers. It's nothing of the kind. All the evidence is pointing to a resurrection as stunning and hard to believe and conceive of as that may be, but all the evidence is pointing in that direction. He knows something has happened, and he does not pull out his phone and distract himself from the rest of the 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 afternoon. He weighs it. He's willing to stare at it and look at it and consider it and let it consider him. Let him be weighed by what he is weighing. He's open and he presses in. He allows it to press into himself. as Luke says as he marvels, which at the very least, at the very least, Two responses. There's not a third. In the end, there are only two. Reject or accept. There's not a third. What was the effect upon Peter? What do we know from historical documents? What was the effect women, the whole church, the movement. What was the effect? As resurrection reality settled in, just a few days it's going to send the Holy Spirit a few days from this point in history is going to send the Holy Spirit fulfilling the promise that never will I leave you never will hearts forsake you I'll send the, the helper, I'll send the, the other helper, the other give ourselves, to speak out about, to live out about, to put our roots down in a life that speaks to this peace with God and this presence of God. Going forth into this world and living that out. Oh, the our response. It is an historical re- event as real as any other. Well, let me just take you back to a few big events in the first decade of the 21st century. Most of you will be able to remember these. Okay? So just a, just a, just, you know, kind of some high points in the first decade of the 21st century historical events. So, 2001, September 11th, 2003, the war in Iraq begins. 2004, Facebook begins. 2007, the first iPhone is introduced. Also in 2007, I don't think these are connected, but it was the same year, the financial crisis, uh, the global financial crisis that that hit. 2008, Barack Obama is elected president of the United States. 2010, uh, the Arab Spring stop there. There's a bunch more we can add. Just a bunch more, and, and you may have your favorites, and don't email me with them. <laughs> That's not really important. But my point is, is simply this. Those were historical events in time and in space. This was as well, and even more so, and I say even more so, because no matter how historians any of the ones that I just listed or any of the ones that I didn't, no matter how they may assess how great, important, or significant those things may be, they will pale into relative insignificance when we look at the resurrection of Jesus. Because that really is the most significant event in the flow of human history. It is the fulfillment of prophecy, it is the fulfillment of history. In that we see the first Jesus' resurrection is the, the first fruits, meaning that in two ways. One, as we look at Jesus' resurrected body, we get a sense as to what our own is going to look like. First fruits. Not just that. Not just that we get a sense of what our own is going to be like, but we also, because he is, his resurrection is the, is the first fruits of our own, it's that we have an assurance of our own. That just as surely as he rose, one day we will too. That's what it means for Jesus to be the first fruits of our own resurrection. Or I can put it this way. His resurrection is an historical event in the flow of time that is pointing towards events at the end of time. And guaranteeing them. Guaranteeing them. We come down to the table. It has a lot of different temporal touch points to it mean by that is past, present and future are all included here and some things for us to consider. But let me just pray for a minute before we go any further. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. You want us you want us to remember